According to the American College of Surgeons, between 2001 and 2003, female breast cancer incidence rates have leveled off. One explanation is a reduction in hormone replacement therapy. Another is that women became better educated about breast care and are getting diagnosed in a more timely fashion. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment on public policy. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and joining me today is Kay Wisman. Kay is the Director of Government Relations for the YME National Breast Cancer Organization. She is herself a breast cancer survivor and actually began with YME on the hotline. Kay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, what do you think it is? Do you think that Why Me has done it or something else? First off, I think it is a little bit confusing. I think Why Me has certainly played a role in educating the public. But I also have read some things that have said that there are fewer women getting mammograms, so fewer women are getting diagnosed. So while we hope that it really is going down, it is a little bit confusing just yet. Is the Why Me organization, their mission, is it about decreasing the incidence or it's really about helping people once they're diagnosed? It's helping people to be aware of their risk uh-huh. and helping them once diagnosed and helping anyone who's touched by this disease in any way at all. Can you take us through a little bit of your personal story that got you first onto the hotline? I imagine you, you were diagnosed first, went through your own you know, personal war, and then went to work for Why Me? Yes, you can. Actually, I've been very fortunate because I've been diagnosed by a mammogram each time. And the first time was very, very small. And we decided to just watch me. I think it was 1995. I kind of forget dates like that. Three years later, in the same breast but not quite the same location, there was another mammogram that showed infiltrating ductal carcinoma. And so I was treated with radiation and then tamoxifen. And as I ended treatment and I was working corporate travel, I said to one of my coworkers, I don't think I've been diagnosed and gone through this to just continue doing what I'm doing. I need to look for something else. A little more meaningful. Exactly. And so since I like to run and I knew that Me has a race every year, mm-hmm. I logged onto their site to see how I could register for the race. And as I logged on, I saw that they had a couple's support group at the time. So I asked my husband to go with me, and he did. And we started going to the meetings. I quit my job, started volunteering at YME, and I think I volunteered for all of maybe a month. And then I started working on the hotline. How would you do in the race? What was your time? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that one was. I really don't. I probably wrote it down at the time because I was being very, you know, careful about those things. Are you still running in the race? I am. I have run it every year except the year that I had back surgery. And doctor just frowned on me running that sure. year. So. All right. So how did you get into government relations? What was the story behind that? Well, I just have always had an incredible interest in the whole political sphere and research and, and that type of thing. And I was on the hotline. And the person who was working in advocacy had left the organization to further her education. So I kind of just took it on as part-time. And one thing led to another until I was doing it full-time and eventually worked my way into where I am now. What do you actually do when you go to Washington? I mean, you're not a lobby. 
No. We're a 501c3. So what's your mission with government particularly? Okay. We work with various organizations, and we do work with government. We have issues that we're very concerned about, bills, legislation we would like to see passed. We are very concerned about getting funding for research, and we work with other cancer groups. We work with everybody that has a common core, a common interest, and then we can work together. We know that the more voices you have behind an issue, the more likely you're going to get something done. Are you working with any of the current candidates? No. We're 501c3, and we have to be very, very careful about that. If you've just joined us, you're listening to a special segment on public policy on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and joining me today is Kay Wisman, the Director of Government Relations for the Me National Breast Cancer Organization. Kay, I'd like to talk a little bit more about some of the things you're currently working on in terms of legislation. Let's just pick one of them, uh, the Healthy Families Act. What's that about? You know, that one is one that we're basically watching but aren't totally involved with. Mm -hmm. The one that we're really, really working on is called GINA, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act. Okay, so that would be, let's say, uh, I'm guessing that if someone signs up for insurance and they do a, a burqa on them, that they can actually decline them. Exactly. I mean, there was a book about that. Oh, <laughs> there's a lot of information. And, and when you see every day there's another gene that's found that if it's mutated can do this or that, and there's more and more genetic tests every day. And this particular legislation prohibits not just health insurance, but prohibits employers mm -hmm. from discriminating against you. And the people will argue and say, well, there haven't been any cases yet. Well, that doesn't mean they won't you know, happen. And I myself would not be genetically tested, you know, without this legislation being passed. Mm -hmm. Because even for myself, it may not matter so much, but for my sons. Because if I were tested genetically with BRCA1 and 2, yeah. that could go through generations and several generations could maybe, you know, maybe they'd give them health insurance, right. but they couldn't afford it. What is Wyme's current policy in terms of recommending that or not recommending it? We are definitely want that legislation passed. It passed the House in April. It's in the Senate. We're trying very hard to get it to the floor for a vote. Who's against it? Well, there has been... The insurance companies. Yes, kind of. But actually, it's very ironic because in the 109th Congress, the Senate passed it unanimously. Hmm. And the House did not. So this year... 110th, the House was, I think, only three people voted against it. And in the Senate, there was a senator who had a hold on it. And that prevents it from going to the floor for a vote. But I do think as we move on and as we see science moving on, this is really a vital bill that needs to be passed so research can go on. Well, that brings up another topic, which would be human cloning and stem cells. I mean, that has got to potentially have some answers for you, and imagine you're in favor of that. We don't have a direct position on that. We're watching it very closely. There is no evidence at this time that this would affect breast cancer. We're not sure about it, but mm -hmm. we're watching it. 
but we have not formed a definitive position on that at this time. Where are you with the Environmental Research Act? That is something that has also been in Congress for 10 years or so, trying to get that passed. And this particular year, you know, there's great support in both houses, but it just doesn't get to the floor for a vote. It is a great research project. I think it's $40 million a year for five years, mm-hmm. multidisciplinary groups. It would be like the University of Southern California working with Utah, working with New York to see the relationship between breast cancer and the environment. Okay, I'm wondering what you've personally learned by going to Washington and see how our government works or doesn't work that may have been the most disappointing to you just as a, as a human, just to see how government actually works. Well, one of the things that just absolutely I was totally shocked about was that one senator could put a hold on the bill Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be brought to the floor for a vote. And to me, you know, it's a brotherhood that this is allowed. That's just so undemocratic. To me, it's just unbelievable. But, you know, I guess it's a tradition, something that's Mm -hmm. been done forever, and I was totally unaware of it. I also... When I have gone into different offices, because we talk to people and tell them, you know, that we would like to see this done or that. And when some people, the very first question that comes out of their mouth is, what's it going to cost? And I was like, you put a dollar on every health issue. And that's disturbing because we know it's going to cost, but we've got to look at it at more than just the money. Kate, why would the Department of Defense be involved with breast cancer research? Oh, what a good question. This has been in effect since the early 90s. YME was there at the beginning. There was a coalition of breast cancer groups. The National Breast Cancer Coalition worked. They secured funding of $210 million for breast cancer research. The Department of Defense had always had some research for breast cancer. And as, you know, things evolved and the Cold War ended, there was still money there. You know, one thing led to another to another, and it ended up that the Department of Defense would do breast cancer research. And we go every single year to ask for money to be put into that. So do you go to the Pentagon? No, no, no. We ask for the Congress Uh to appropriate the funds. And it's uh, only 10% of the funds are used for administration. And the most unique, wonderful thing is breast cancer survivors sit at the table and we help determine which proposals get funded. And I've done this, and you're sitting in the room with, there's like two, maybe three breast cancer survivors, and there's 15 or 20 clinicians and scientists. And when we speak, they listen to us. And our job is to say, how is this research going to affect the breast cancer patient? And they've really come to respect us and like to have us there. This past summer, we had 16 from YME doing that review out of the group. The other thing that's just really great is they have a meeting called Era of Hope every two to three years, and everyone who got money has to come and tell us exactly how they spent that money and what their results are. So it's probably one of the most efficient and really great research programs that's out there. It's so good that prostate has imitated it. Mm. They have some money there. Ovarian has imitated it, you know, and several other groups. Are there any barriers left for the YME organization that you need to break through, or are you just going to just keep on your steep growth curve? (laughs) 
I don't know if it's barriers, but there are many issues. You know, the lack of funding within the National Institutes of Health, which means the National Cancer Institute, discourages young researchers from going into breast cancer research. We have the issue of patients being overtreated, and then we also have the huge number of people, the underserved, who are not getting treated. We need some new innovative clinical designs. The randomized clinical trial is good, but it doesn't work for everything. We need some changes in that area. Well, Kay Wisman, I wish you the best of luck, and I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to a special segment on public policy on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD, so log on to our website, and you can download on-demand podcasts of our entire library.